Welcome to our next episode of The Female Fist. And I have a very exciting guest with us, somebody that most of you probably know. She is a three-star international official. She's also the owner of Kingsway Boxing as well. She is also the founder of Fight to End Cancer. And she is the president of Boxing Ontario. So please give a warm welcome to Jennifer Huggins. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's so nice to talk to you. I know that we were like talking before we, you know, got on here, but it's like I said, it feels like forever. It feels like it's been so long to have. It has. It's, it's been like a year and a half now. And we've been, I, I'm not sure if you're in Toronto. I think you might be in Peel. Or um, no, you're Halton, yeah, personally, Halton. Yeah. So uh, in Toronto, we've been on lockdown as businesses, at least for six months. And we've been out of boxing for, I guess, since last March. So we are a month, sorry, we're a month. I wish we were only a month. We're a year and two months past it being anything boxing related. And it's been too long. It's been so long. And like, you've seen me, I've gone to Florida and like everything there is open. So like yeah. I'm back and I'm like, oh my God, because I have these friends that are competing in Florida and they're doing all these things in the States. And I come back and I'm like, oh my God, it's so like going back into the twilight zone or something. It's actually, that's a great, that's a really good expression. I feel like we're living in the twilight zone, especially since last weekend, we just saw 70,000 people in the main event for with Canelo and Saunders. Like I'm sitting there like, does, I don't think COVID exists anymore, <laughs> at least not in the US. Yeah, it's like it, it has its locations where it stays. And then everywhere else, it, it, it left those places away. But like, you know, I'm, and I'm probably going to ask you so many things that I'm sure a lot of people want to know about specifically what's going on with the boxing in Canada. Like, I just asked you, so is there going to be a nationals, do you think, coming up at the end of this year? Like, what are your thoughts about that? If you ask me, Jen Huggins, it's like, yeah, we're going to make it happen. I want to find any way that we can get boxing happening back here in Ontario. And in Canada, I am working as well now with Boxing Canada on a couple of different committees. So that's exciting because it's hands-on with what's going to happen with boxing in Canada, not just in Ontario. But the reality is that we are governed through boxing, not even through Boxing Canada. We are governed through, we have legislation governing what we're allowed to do within Ontario. And this is very similar to a lot of the other provinces. So it's happening right now. Long story short is that sport in general, for the most part, has been completely locked down. And unfortunately, even if Boxing Canada, which we do as Boxing Canada want to host the nationals, how can we do that if the provinces haven't gotten ready, if the athletes haven't been training? So we're not even allowed to train right now, inside or outside. So right. how, you know, we're in May, I guess I can't even keep track of the twilight zone. Yeah, like the days are becoming blurs. What is Monday? Is I, I don't even know. <laughs> I just called today Sunday. I was speaking to Caitlin Clark, which I'm, I know you know today. Yeah. And I was like, it's Sunday. Oh, wait a second. It's not, it's the middle of the week. Uh, so. The reality is that until the provinces open back up, a nationals is going to be really tough. So I can say on a very positive note, Boxing Canada is interested in hosting a nationals. It's like, okay, let's get it going. But on a reality note, it's until you see training happening, until you see competition happening, even just test events happening, it would be unsafe for us to send our athletes into the into the fire and basically bring the best of the best together when right. you know some people are just they haven't been training for the past year, not properly at least. And right. definitely not sparring. That's another thing that's been really tough for people. Yeah, because especially even athletes that are coming out of, let's say, Canada and they want to go to the Olympics, like Mandy Bujold, she's going against uh, some girls that have been competing. They have been fighting. All the girls have been competing. I mean, yeah. the great thing, so the one thing I not a lot of people realize, you know, and you'll see Sid, I'm guessing you know Sid Vanderpool, posting video and pictures and very recent activity of the athletes training there are exemptions. So for an athlete who is deemed on the national team going to be competing for the Olympics, Paralympics, uh, this cycle, or even the winter cycle, they're allowed to train. They're allowed to do things that will get them ready. But when your training capacity is only limited to what you can bring in within your own province, I mean, you're great for Mandy. That's awesome. But again, you're not able to, she used to bring in sparring partners who were from different countries and she'd also get competition, right? It's you're her friend. It's great. You're going to offer her amazing things. And she's going to get ready in the best capacity she can. But what is boxing without competition, right? So it's it definitely, she's been doing an incredible job. And it's really cool to see the athletes training that are able to. And I love that. So it's like, let's just deem everybody that we know 
ready to go to the Olympics. Like I'm a national team Olympics. I can go train now. So anyway, it's, there are, there are things that people can do. It's just, it's so limited and it's, it is nice though to see the the clubs that are able to keep things going. Also pros going on still as well. Right. So yeah. And I think really sanctioned. I couldn't quite get answers on like who yeah. is able to get, I mean, people are just sparring and getting ready and it's just, it's interesting how people have found their ways around the legislation or through it basically. Well, that's what I was kind of curious about because for the professionals, so they're sanctioning fights for professionals, but the professionals, like you said, have to spar too. So like, how would that work for somebody that's like an Ontario resident that's just an athlete? So they're allowed to go and spar with a professional? I, I guess, you know what, as Boxing Ontario, we sanction the activities of amateur sport in boxing in Ontario and Canada same, looks at the same way. So anything amateur we're sanctioning I haven't really gotten clear answers as to the pros. So technically I've seen a lot of the amateurs who want to go pro and they are just able to spar there. And again, I know it goes against our legislation, but at the same time, nobody's governing it. So it gives some sort of out and we've seen them. We were just talking about it before we came live here. Yeah. Mo, Jake, everybody's having their pro debuts. It's great. And it's, but it's sat as an amateur representative, someone who really wants to embrace amateur and, make sure that the athletes get as much experience in amateur as they need to be able to get to the top as pros. We want to be able to offer that and we want to be able to keep these amateurs amateur and get them, you know, just all the experience they can. But now with COVID, especially, I would say, especially with COVID, there's a lot more competition happening. There's a lot more experience you can get in pro right now, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate because like, for me, for example, I'm not going to go down the professional route. You know, I've always like, my goal is to get this. Like, <laughs> It's like, I'm just not like, it's not my style. So I've always wanted to go like for Canadian championships. I've always wanted to represent the country in Olymp amateur Olympic style. And now it's been two years that I've that, like, or it's going to be almost two years that I haven't been able to compete. And like, I'm not getting any younger either. You know, like I want to be doing this stuff in my youth. I want to be able to get as far as I can in the amount of time I can. So it's like, even at the gym that I was at, the, all the young girls that were getting ready to start the year, they wanted to go into, I think like the Brampton cup, yeah. whatever didn't happen. But then following that, they wanted to try bronze gloves and they never had the opportunity. And now it's been over a year for those young girls. And now they're getting older and their bodies are changing. So they you know, I think that like, cause even myself as a 17 year old, when I first fought my body and everything has completely changed from 17 to 19, 19 to 21, 21 to now, like I'm a, such a completely different fighter. And I haven't had the time to watch my development yet since. Talk about, talk about that being the topic of conversation right now. I'm not sure if you've actually had Mandy. I know Mandy's so busy right now. She's busy doing like New York Times interviews and I know she's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And she's bringing really good needed attention to a huge issue, a huge big picture issue in which exactly what you're talking about, women's bodies, they change. And because yeah. it wasn't necessarily as popular, I think it's starting to become more popular now. So this generation coming into the sport of boxing, the females are a little bit younger, but we have an age limit that says 40 years old is a cutoff for our elite yeah. athletes. So we are supposed to make, again, the sport accessible to anyone between the ages and elite athletes, anyone between the ages of 19 and 40. So it's, it's changing everything, that dynamic. So relating to COVID, that dynamic two years makes all the difference in the world. I'm watching athletes that we had ready for Brampton Cup, exactly what you were talking about. And it just reminded me that we had, it was the most planned tournaments we had ready for Ontario. We were going to do like a super tournament where we invited all the different countries and like wow. things on the horizon. So they're all, they're all still there. We've actually paid for the venues. We're just waiting for the green lights. Standby. Sorry. It's just on standby. It's on standby. Everything's on standby. But the one thing that doesn't stay on standby is, is it's our bodies, our bodies, yeah. especially the females right now, but as well, all, all the athletes, they are moving on to other things. I'm watching people doing things that it could be as simple as, you know, changing locations, like moving out of our country or moving at least out of province so that they can still continue to get their educations or they can still continue to do things. The U S is very close to us. So I have a lot of athletes that we know directly who are moving out to the U S because they can still get, they can still train, they can still do their school. They're actually, and, and again, I know COVID is very real. I've seen the effects of it. We actually lost our past president, Ron Gallon to COVID. Um, so 
we realize we have to find safety in what we're doing. I just want to find a pathway forward as well. And I think that's probably where we're all at. Yeah, absolutely. And like in regards to, you know, right now with how you're communicating with boxing Canada and how the other provinces are communicating, like what is everybody else saying with like, what is like BC saying? What is like Manitoba saying or Alberta? What is everybody saying? Is there like a consensus with anything or? Yeah, we, so the great thing about COVID, the, the great silver lining about COVID is we're all talking. We all have time to do, I've never done so many video calls. I can't even tell you. I could, I used to be able to count on my hand. I used to be able to count on one finger, the number of boxing Canada meetings that I would have or Boxing Ontario meetings. And it just, it's so strange to have so many virtual meetings, but the great thing is that everyone's communicating. We're all getting on the same page. We're all aligning our visions. Uh, we're all trying to make sure that we're ready to rock when we're ready to rumble when, uh, when okay. things can actually go. A lot of the provinces are facing the same challenges as us. We have huge numbers here in Ontario for COVID. Um, it's again, it's very real. Everyone that I know, all the pro people that I know, not all, but most of them have already had COVID and it, it really does put a stop to, you could have a, a match already booked and then you can't go because you've tested positive for COVID. So right. it's still, it still is a challenge, but all of the other provinces are in the same. I think some of them are closing down further than what they are right now. I know BC was planning another event. They actually had one competition. So during COVID there was a competition last year they held in BC. Uh, Alberta had a competition planned, they had to cancel it. BC had another one planned, they had to cancel it. But just recently, I wanna say about a month ago, Nova Scotia had a competition and it, it went through. And so Nova Scotia is competing. So I think the next step, and we're all in pretty good alignment with it, is we have to find a way forward and we have to find a safe way forward in which we can still keep our athletes active. So, but they are in the same, same position as us, which is why when we talk about the nationals, it's so hard. They feel, imagine if the Maritimes is ready for uh, nationals because they've been training this whole time. I don't, I don't believe they've been shut down completely right. uh, since the first shutdown, the same way that everyone else has been. So their athletes are training at the very least. Right. So, and they've had competitions now. So I could imagine how far behind Quebec and Ontario would feel and BC and all the other provinces, if all of a sudden boxing Canada were to hold a nationals and then say, well, the only active province has been uh, the Maritime, some of the provinces in, Amer in the Maritime. So I, I think we're all in alignment. We just want to find that way forward. And there's got to be a way forward. The States is doing it, right? A lot of other countries are doing it. We actually, Poland just had their, and, I, and again, I can't speak for how, how well it went in the sense of COVID because I, I don't have those metrics, but Poland just hosted the Youth World Championships. Yep. And they had they were in the middle of, I think, one of the heights of their COVID numbers. I think they had something like seven, uh, I think it was 27,000 per day cases okay. positive. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, they their government said, we are going to commit to doing this competition. I thought it was great. We're committing to do this competition. We're going to do it safely. From my understanding, there was no COVID outbreaks in the competition. And they brought in countries from around the world and it worked out very well and the athletes competed. And it was, it's just, it was for me inspiring to see that happen. And it, again, same thing, speaking to the Olympics, to be able to see the Olympics happen, considering the fact that a lot of the countries are still having a lot of problems, as long as it can be done safely, that's awesome. Yeah. And like, I, you know, even hearing that, I would imagine that everybody's probably thinking like, why don't we take the like blueprint of what is these, some of these countries that are making successful tournaments, like taking that blueprint and seeing like, if that could be done here yeah. as well, because I mean, if they're doing it in multiple countries, it's not just like an anomaly for like one tournament in one place if it's happening then it's something that you know wouldn't be out of discussion moving forward or something i need to bring you on a team so you can convince the yeah yeah this, <laughs> this is what we got to do i hope uh, trudeau is listening to us <laughs> i know we've got a lot of things coming at him and same with ford but at the same time we need sport to continue so it's we'll get there i, I have confidence that we're going to get there and at least in our province, I have confidence that we're pushing as a collective. So that's that's one of the big things that I'm learning about right now is that the combative collective in Ontario, 17 different martial arts, I might be a little bit off on the number, but 17 martial art PSOs have gotten together. And we are the ones who have to speak to the government on what we want to see happen and how we're safely going to make that happen. So we did great when we were reopened. And six months being shut down is not good as a, as a sport. It's also not good as a business. And you mentioned I own a boxing gym, two boxing gym locations. And I'm like, oh, never thought in my wildest dreams that this would be what we'd be facing. And this is how all the small businesses feel right now. Absolutely. And have you seen what United Boxing Gym has been doing? Yeah. 
Oh my God, it's so amazing. There's a couple of protests that are happening. And the interesting thing with that, and again, you know, I'll, I'll take off my president hat for a second and I'm just going to look at it as a, as a just person watching on. Yeah, yeah. I've been told as a business that I am not allowed to open my doors to anybody indoor or outdoor. So I can't have people training outdoor with me. We opened it for four days. We got four days of training and we're like, yay, this is good. But when I go down to Lakeshore and so I can't do organized training. Okay. I go down to Lakeshore and I see all these people just, you know, they're not organized. They just come there and they're training and they're walking. I'm walking along Lakeshore and I'm getting bumped in. I've had more contact on Lakeshore, <laughs> physical contact than in boxing. So over the past year and a half, <laughs> the, the physical contact, I mean, nobody is the big difference. And I, that's where I see what, um, I see what United is doing and I understand what their cause is. The idea that we can't, you know, get organized sport together and fall within the legislation that's been deemed safe for even gray zone, uh, which would be outdoor training, that would be organized with contact tracing, safety protocols, physical distancing, everything that needs to be done. And then, but I can go down to Lakeshore still and there's no problem with that. I mean, definitely we're supposed to keep our distance, but people don't always do that. They're running right. past us, they're breathing hard, they're doing all the things right. that People are doing yeah, and there's no contact tracing. I don't know who that guy was that knocked into me, but I want to beat him up. I want to invite him to my gym. <laughs> but I can't do that because we're shut oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's coming from the business owner and the logic side of me. From the uh, president side of things, you know, we we sanction all we're doing is sanction the you know, oh gosh, we're just sanctioning the boxing that's not sanctionable right now. So I, I don't even I'm not even allowed to say anything about it, but. I am very impressed with what they're doing. It's very, it's gotten a lot of attention. And at a personal level, I think that their fight is very valid right now. Yeah, and when I went to one of the protests, because I I had to see it. And like, when I was talking to um, the guy's name is uh, Jordan. And I was like, everybody here, like he made sure that everybody was like distant six feet apart. There was like over a hundred people at Canoe Landing all lined up six feet apart because they're outside and he knows who they were because they all signed up right yeah and like if they wanted to they could just wear a mask and if they didn't want to they're outside so they didn't have to but people some people were masked some people didn't but everybody was distanced and they had like a dj there and everybody like you could see everybody was just loving loving the moment and i think that it was one of those things where it didn't matter like who you were you could be like I don't know a nurse here or like a a dog walker over here it didn't matter but everybody was just so excited to be doing this workout together in this community too right it's community it's it's all the things that we are like just aching for right now yeah like I feel very disconnected to my boxing community I, I feel disconnected and it's weird, like I'm doing these podcasts and so I get to reconnect with a lot of the women, which is great. Like for example, I haven't seen you in like, like we said, over a year, it's crazy. And I like, and, I, and I'll tell my audience, like I met Jen when I was just a little one. Like I was like- I remember when I hadn't even met you yet. So it was Juan Vargas. Do you remember that name? Well, of course I do. Okay, so Juan was talking about you. He's like, have you, have you met Raf's daughter? She's like, She's incredible. She's a little pit bull. She just like murders us in sparring. I guess you must have sparred with him or something. Yeah. And I was just like, who is this girl? Like I, you couldn't have, you hadn't, I don't think you'd competed yet. Cause I believe your first competition was your 15 ish or were you a little bit later? Was it later? I was like 17, my first bout. So but I heard about you when you were 15 then. Okay. So I heard about when you were 15 cause you were 15 at the time. And I'm like, where is this girl? I need to see her. I need to, it, it was so exciting. Then when I saw you compete for the first time, I was just blown away. Oh, and your, your technique and your just, and like, it's just, it was so good because we didn't have enough young girls, especially we still don't have enough young girls in the sport, but we didn't have enough young girls that we could just be like, oh, let's get this. And, and so I don't know if there was that many and much competition for you at the time you first started. Oh, there wasn't. And it's funny that you say that because back then, I was like the baby in the community. There wasn't like young girls aside from like Amelia, but I don't even remember if she had competed at that time. I can't remember. Like I was 17. So like she would have been competing as a junior, maybe. but then she would have, she's two years ahead of you. So you might've been able to, was she one of your, she was probably open class by the time you got in. No, maybe not. 
I can't well, like I'm 26 right now and I think she just turned 18 or something did she just oh gosh yeah yes, that's what I mean yeah. so I don't know if she like I don't even know maybe I, I don't know but like I was I was considered like the baby in going into all these things because most of the girls that I fought were older than me like at least by a couple of years or like my very first bout she was 28 mm-hmm. and I was 17 so they made an exhibition or something like that oh, <laughs> well, well she's she's doing great now I I don't know there was nobody that I can actually think right now who stands out as being at the same time as you is coming at the same time as you so and we need to change that I that is the biggest thing that we want to see a movement towards and then COVID, we were moving towards that and now COVID's yeah. kind of crushed that. But I love what Mandy's fighting for. I mean, I, I'm not sure, again, I was just mentioning to you before about Mandy. I don't know if you guys have talked yet or had her onto the show, but her fight is so inspiring to me as a woman in sport, but also just being someone in sport who's trying to help create the future of what sport's going to look like because we do lose a lot of women either as athletes, officials, coaches, because they decide they want to start a family. It shouldn't be a decision between both. It should not be like that. So it's, it just, it was great when I first saw you come into the scene, we need to have more, we need to have, and we need to make sure that people don't feel like it's going to be short lived because we have until 40, right? That's many. We have until 40. There's a bar. (laughs) (laughs) It's right there. But like, I, you know, that's the thing is I'm starting like, for example, Faith Rago and, um, there's another little one. What's her name? There's a couple floating There's around that have been coming up, and I've noticed yeah. that like the females. I mean, if you like, you know the um, Edenberry turn—not tournament, but like the the training camp that they have out in Ireland every year in August. Like hundreds of girls across the world go to this this training camp. And it's just incredible. Like I had no idea that so many women were involved. And it was, I think that like as time is going on, because now with social media, people get to just like go online and they get to see these girls train. And then it's like, I think it's just opened so many doors for women, this whole social media platform. And I'm seeing so many girls getting into it now. Obviously, it would be great to have more younger girls. I think there's still that stigma where everybody's like, oh, well, if they're really young, then like, what about head trauma or, you know, stuff like that. I think that like, I don't know. I don't know if there's still a stigma between like boxing being more for men or whatever. You know, I, the When I look at what Ireland does, they do so many great things. I think we need to look and see what other countries are doing and adapt what their models are. But Ireland is so great. They would bring their athletes to Brampton Cup. I feel like every year they brought like a good team to have to Brampton Cup. Yeah. But the stigma, I believe it's kind of wearing down by quite a quite a bit. Yeah. So I'm gonna be curious how this break from boxing is gonna treat boxing and have encourage athletes to start at a younger age. One thing that uh, I could note that we have spoken about, and I know that it definitely has been either passed or it's in the works, is a body shot only kind of level. So I know they already do this in Quebec where, you know, if women or men or children are not quite at the level where they want to take head trauma or blows to the head, which is, I mean, I don't like the word head trauma, but anything, I mean, it's traumatic to to receive a punch, maybe emotionally, but but the the idea there, I like the idea because basically what it's, it's, it is anyone before, I believe it came forward as anyone before novice or anyone up to novice, sorry, who have under 11 bouts can yep. compete in this non, uh, net, non-head blow boxing, which really? exists, yeah, exists. In, and that's part of why I don't think it, so it definitely exists in the US. It definitely exists in Quebec. They've already got something along those lines. This They're the first time I'm hearing about it. Sorry? This is like the first time I'm hearing about it. So I, there's other leagues as well. So there's a couple of different, are you petting your cat? <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm putting my laptop in the charger so it doesn't die on you. <laughs> oh, I thought I saw the cat walk by and you're like, oh, the poor kitty. Um, <laughs> Get her in here, <laughs> go on. So, so yeah, the, um, I, I don't know where it's exactly like sanctioned specifically, but I know that it's been brought forward a few different times. I know in the US it is sanctioned. There is something in Quebec, I wanna say they've already sanctioned this for any, fun box bouts they don't they don't receive head blows and to me what it actually does so I know one of the arguments when I first heard about this league or whatever the uh, it would be like a specific um category 
what I, people were, when they first got the athletes in, so like the little guys, you know, like the six yeah. and seven year olds and the eight year olds, yeah. you can't even see their like headgears are here. They can't even see their opponent. They're like flailing. No. Uh, but then people, a lot of the coaches were like, well, we can't teach the athletes, these kids not to throw punches at the head. And it's like, wait a second. It actually is going to teach them a lot more. If yeah. you can't actually sit in front of your opponent and aim and land the punches where you want to land them, then technically you're not ready to compete. Yep. So, so it's a good strategy, I believe, to get people a little bit more comfortable. And it's not just for the kids, it's for the adults as well. And I like the concept. So it looks like we're moving forward on that. I haven't got a specific date on that, but I, that'll be great because it's, it is, if anything, it's not necessarily traumatizing to get in the sport of boxing. I would say it's, it can be very intimidating. So right. this takes away the intimidation level of, you know, any kind of punches of the head body shots hurt a lot more. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you get yeah, hit the liver. Down, and they make you like stop and then you get hit to the head because you can't move yeah. the way that you were going to. <laughs> protect your body. Take it from Scarlet for sure. <laughs> My dad's hit me with a couple of those when he's trying to show me a few things in the ring and I'm like, no, I'm done. Anatomy, yeah. here's your liver. Here's your screen. That's the solar plexus. The anatomy lesson. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't feel like a second. Yeah. The body shots, I can't remember a lot of the headshots. I wonder why. But I, the body shots, I remember those. <laughs> I know. I like, honestly, I don't. You're absolutely right. Even my coach, Sid, like, there was one time that he was trying to like show us something. So we were in the ring and he gave me this body shot. And I was just like, I, I didn't like that. Like, I was like, okay. Like, cause I'm but, like, was Sid. And for those, for those watching who don't know Sid, he is this like gigantic, big muscular man who, when he throws a punch and it could just be a little tap. Like people say when I punch people as like a joke, I've got like really bony knuckles that just get into things. Yeah. He's just got big bulky muscles that like, doesn't matter how hard and his fists. <laughs> and like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love him. He totally did not mean to hurt me. You know, it's just, he's so big. And I was just like, okay, okay. Like in, in my head, I just know, like, I never ever want to be in a position where I leave my body open because that just slows me right down for the rest of the day. Cause I'm exactly. like, no, I'm so gonna- imagine, imagine a league or, I mean, a category within amateur boxing where you can teach these, these importance. And it's not about leaving your head open because I'm sure that you'll learn pretty quickly that your head should not be open as well. So you're not going to walk around the ring like this, yeah. but the concept of knowing where to place punches, that's it's money right there. Absolutely. The concept of knowing where to, how to protect your body, your body's a lot bigger than your head. I tell this to the boxers all the time. Your body is like, I don't know, depending on how big your head is, but it's like <laughs> at least two thirds bigger than your head. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, unless you wear your shorts up to here, like I see some of the kids. Yeah, uh, I know. right up to their chest. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cute. But I, I do think that this is gonna make a big difference and it's gonna help the athletes, especially at the younger ages and at the earlier stages of boxing development get to the point where they know how to box because the the answer back in the day where they used to say well they don't you know know where their punches are landing they can't see them landing well then they're not ready to box so that's exactly but i like what they're doing in the in ireland it's great it's amazing to see how many women there are and bc actually had a all women's tournament i forget what it was called a wonder woman tournament wonder woman that was it why would i forget that but the wonder woman tournament and it was so great so we need to see more like that because there's boxing right now is developed around men. It's there's a lot for men. So we don't need a more men's tournaments. We need more tournaments in general. And then we also need tournaments where women can get together and find, just like you were talking about, you only had one or two people you could compete with leading up to your elite level, which was yeah. two years. You want to get everyone together and have the opportunities. So that makes it accessible. That makes it an equitable sport, which is what we're trying to go for. Right. Right. And it, like, my goodness, I fought two girls five times each. Like when you think about it, that's crazy. Cause a guy has so much competition. Like, you know, if they meet each other twice, it's, be- it's because of like the tournaments or something. Like they don't even have to choose to fight each other twice in a club show because they have so many to just choose from. There's a whole pool of them. But for us women, especially in Canada, because we don't have like a huge population either. It's not like the States. And it's spread out. It's really spread out. It's like, okay, great. We found a girl. She's over in BC. Let's take a five hour flight. It's just as fast yeah. to go to the to UK maybe. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the thing too. It kind of makes it like, okay, well, 
if I like, why, why don't I go to Europe then to go to one of these tournaments? Because if I'm spending so much money just to travel for one fight limited in the country, it's crazy. It's like Canadian female boxers have it a lot more challenging. And I think that people don't realize that because everywhere else, like, if you look at like the states, you look there's at- a big push, so There's a big push for females. Now that the spots are moving towards an equitable or equal rate. So right now, 2021 or 2020, we've got five women's weight classes. So that's for the Olympics. And then by 2028, I believe it's going to be even. So it's moving towards, yeah. So it's going to be, you know, I, I believe the numbers were six and five men six men's weight categories five for women in the next olympics and then the following olympics it's going to be equal which wow. so a lot of the countries are looking at as saying okay we got equal opportunities but if we don't start training and getting women up to the same level we're just not going to have the competition we're not going to be ready for when we have the equal numbers it means that we'll only it like for example here in canada we definitely have a stronger female team which is great but again, we're going to have now equal numbers or we're moving towards an equal number rate for the Olympics. So we have to make sure we're investing in the younger athletes because, you know, the woman that we've got on our team right now, I know Mandy, she's already said this is her last, it's her last stab at it. And those were just, I don't think that's because she's too, I think she could actually do another Olympics if she wanted to. Um, she, she, yeah, she's young. She's younger than me. Yeah, she will. I think that for her, it's more like, uh, I mean, I don't know, so I'm not going to quote this, but I think that I know that she wants to like take some time for her family as well and it's just like you know she's dedicated over a decade of this amazing career and I think that two olympics is like phenomenal if she wants to go (laughs) it's so amazing well and so that that just speaks to the fact that we need a succession plan for the women we already have it we it's great now we need to make sure we're bringing up other women yeah, I don't know, Scarlett. Maybe yeah, maybe you'll be ready for the next uh, Olympics. I, I don't know. Like I, my weight class is fifty four. You know, fifty one. Like my body type. It, it's funny because like fifty seven. It's just too like it's 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 too big for me. Like I don't, I don't think people realize what three kilograms. That's six and a half pounds. Yeah. Is- going to do to make you feel it just totally changes and the punches that you're receiving the punches you're able to throw the way you feel as a boxer three kilograms up or down is totally not different yeah it's not the same and for you if you're 54 and you're solid 54 you want to find a way to compete at 54 which is going to become one of the olympic weight classes eventually or they might do what they do the men and and shift it around but there'll be something closer to 54 for you that would be amazing that would be amazing. I mean, that, that, if that was the case, then yeah, I would totally consider it. But like 51 is just way too light for me because like, I, I, it's just my body type. There's some women that are just naturally really lean and they're just like a little bit like smaller, but just my genetics, I have a very like toned muscular and like I get lean, but 118 is like, I'm strong. If I were to go all the way down to 112, like I would be so weak and I'm not used to that weight either. Like I, I, whatever. So but yeah, it's true. Like the weight class is between like just a couple kilograms. It makes huge difference. Huge. And that's why we, that's why they recognize that. I mean, at least on the high performance side of things, the Olympics is the way that they're trying to make sure that the weight classes are set up is that it is going to be equitable for even the, the men's. Like did you, you saw what they did with the men's weight classes where they split it apart and it went from having a 60 kilogram and then they're, they had to like basically shift everything and remove 60 from the weight class so that they could make room for other weight classes. So it became like 63. So they got rid of 64. They got rid of 60 and they put in 57, sorry. So oh. there was a huge gap. So you either you had to be 57 kilograms or you had to be 63 kilograms. That is a gigantic. That's huge. Huge, huge space. So the men, could you imagine the ones who usually compete at 60 kilograms having to either decide to go down in weight class uh, or up? And that's what happened to Eric Bassram. So. Oh. I didn't even know that that's what was going on with him. Yeah, well, he was, I, uh, when he would compete at the world championships, he would compete at the 60 kilograms. Yeah. And then I believe he had to go down to 57 for the, so it was either 57 or compete up to 63, which is like, it's insane. So he went down to 57. So it's, it's tough. He's going pro as well. And this is the thing, until we can make things accessible and, and equitable, not just for women, but for the sport and for athletes within it, that's, we're going to keep on hearing things like this where the athletes can't necessarily stick around long enough to see that like, you're, you're 26. I'm so happy you're still in the sport, but imagine if you got bored of it, it's very typical to get bored of fighting the same person over and over and over again. 
because when are you getting out of that? And you are, it's great. You did it. And it's great. You stuck with it. How many fights do you have now? Um, I have 50, 50, five, zero, five, zero. Yeah. Gosh, that's, uh, <laughs> I have to ask you, cause I never get to speak to you. So what um, would your, if you could be like, my goal is to X, Y, or Z within boxing, what, what would it be? Like, what is your ultimate goal? Well, because I don't have right now my weight class in the Olympics, like my biggest thing was just to make the Canadian team and then represent Canada in whatever tournaments would come my way. Like whether that be like, I think they have 54 Pan Ams, don't they? Or, or no, they don't. They do. I, I believe they've actually switched it over to being the, and don't quote me on this. I, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen, but uh, I believe they switched it to being the Olympic weight classes as well. Okay. Uh, but I could be wrong because it should be the 10 and 10. So I know that in previous years, it's always been the 10 and 10, but it, it just, this is a thing. It's, it's hard to keep track because right now it's, uh, we're, I'm focused on what the boxing task force is doing for the Olympics. But I do know that the great thing, one really cool thing, and I'm not sure if you know about this yet, the winter, the Canadian winter games. Okay. So we have Canadian winter games happening in 2023. So it seems a long ways away, but we got to get ready for it right. because it, we are going to be having women's weight classes in the winter games, Canadian winter games. We've never had that before. So in, oh yeah, in PEI. that before? Nope. Really? Nope. So for the first time ever, women will be, women's weight classes will be in the Canadian Winter Games, which is, it's actually surprising we didn't have it before. I remember when I first heard that we didn't have boxing in the Olympics, like back in the day when I first got into boxing, I was like, how is that possible? Like right. we're, we're in the 2000s by the time I heard that. And yeah, 2012 was the first time that woman made their appearance at the Olympic Games. I was like, even like, even I thought that I wasn't even a competitor at the time. I was like, how are women not in yet? Like that's like, we're not living back in like- Horrific. I had, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So we will by 2023 have women in the Canada Winter Games. So hopefully you can represent at the Canada Winter Games and uh, it's going to be exciting. So we should make that announcement pretty soon as well. I, I know it's, it's been unofficially announced, but I think that uh, let's get- Yeah, making some sort of plan. So, so let's there's that. a lot to look forward right to. Here. <laughs> And you said that on here. And I get to, I get to say, announce it first. <laughs> oh, true. Uh, yeah. I mean, I already said it, so definitely, yeah. Go, go ahead and announce it. I'll, uh, I'll get in trouble later. No, like, that's just crazy. I, like, I didn't even think that women weren't in it. Like, until you just said that, it's like, what? So we're not even just in the two thousands. Like, we're in like the twenty twenties at this point, and the women haven't been in the winter game. That's crazy. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. So, but that's there are a lot of great things and. A lot of it's being mandated by Sport Canada in the sense that there is a huge, and I've, I've had some conversations about people saying, well, man, why does it have to be mandated? Why can't we just do better? We haven't done better yet. So I'm happy that Sport Canada is getting on the side of mandating things. I'm happy that people like Mandy are pushing to create awareness on things that people never thought about or people, you know, women never thought about. I never thought about how much I put aside as a woman in sport until Mandy decided to, well, decided to, didn't get to uh, fight for her position in the qualifiers because it got canceled and it's gone to a ranking system. And now Mandy's having to fight to bring awareness to what and how and why it is very inequitable for women in the sport of boxing and women in sport in general. So it's, it's interesting to, to figure out how much I basically, I want to say that by not doing something about it, the women who are involved, especially in leadership roles are complicit in the situation. So we need to do more, especially the women who are in leadership, especially people like myself, who can actually say that I've represented in the sport now as an official as well, where it has affected me directly. So all of these things that are surprising, they are only gonna change if we start talking about them. They're only going to become better as we start figuring out what the answers are because even Mandy's situation, I've brought it up multiple times to different people people who I really respect and who respect me, but can't see things from the, from the angle that what can be done. So right. just, you know, I've gone off on a tangent here, but the no. idea that maternity leave of some sort in sport as an athlete, especially amateur sport, it's not, it's different for pro sport because, you know, fine, okay, you don't want to stop getting paid and it's a little bit more clear and obvious, but in amateur sport where by just stopping having a child, you just give up your spot. Everything you work for is gone. And it's the same thing as an, uh, as an official. If I just stop, somebody is waiting to get into that position. It's just a matter of life. Same as a coach. Coach is up at the top for only so long. Someone's waiting to take that position. So there has to be something that helps or creates some sort of stopgap so that women don't feel like they have to wait for their careers to be over 
to be able to have a life. And that has, that affects all facets of it. And it, it changes, it changes people's outlook. It's changed my outlook on what the sport is. So exactly what you're saying, where you didn't realize that there was no competition for women in the winter games for, you know, in the, maybe in the Ontario winter games, there were, but in the uh, Canadian winter games, there were not. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, that, it, it just blows my mind. And it, even when we talk about like the women that are, you know, having to take mat leave and then come back, because when I look at specifically Mandy's situation, it's like, she's not just like an athlete that took some time off. And then she's like demanding to be put in this position. Like she is a former Olympian and even coming back when she was starting to come back, uh, competing again after her pregnancy, like she wins everything. Like she's been producing, she's been on top of her game. So to even have to fight for these, like for these, you know, reconsiderations is just to me, it's crazy. And why wouldn't they want the best of the country going in there and, you know, fighting for the championships? Like, don't you want the best rather than giving it to somebody who doesn't have that same experience or, you know, never to discredit other athletes, but it's like, you want the best to represent. And like, there should, should speak, it should speak for something, the fact that she's already been to the Olympics. Yeah. And, and I think it does speak to a bigger, bigger picture where this is a real problem. And this is a problem at every level, at every level of every, I guess, every sport right now, that if you reach a certain level and you have a child and, you know, it's funny when you hear people say, and I hear it a lot from really good, smart people that, well, it was her decision or it was your decision to have, not just related to Mandy, but it was, you know, your decision to have a child, you know, you decided to have a child at this time and whatever people forget that the only way we're going to have a future, the only way we're going to have people in our future is by women having children. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was my decision to go have a child, which I don't have any yet because in 2014, I've taken a position with Aiba where I was traveling all the time. And I knew if I took time off from that, that that would drastically change the outcome of where I am today. But if people say it's your decision, well, you're, if women keep on progressing in the world and they're at stages where, or they're at levels of, of sport, business, whatever, where they know that by taking time off, it's going to stop their, everything, their dreams, then we're going to have very few children who can, you know, become something in the future. Exactly. So it's, we, it works both ways and it doesn't necessarily, there's no simple answer. And just like maternity leave in business, it didn't exist until it had to exist. So let's get there. Exactly. And I think that also too, when people say that, like your decision to do this, it almost makes it sound like it's an ugly thing or something, or that like, she did something like, oh, well, you chose to do this. It's like, why, why be punished for it, for bringing such a beautiful thing into this world? I don't understand that. Nobody does. And she's got a great team. So if, if people who are watching don't necessarily know what the story is, just Google Mandy Bujold right now, and you will find out an incredible story, an incredible athlete, one of our top Olympians that represented Canada at the Rio Olympic Games, and someone who's already got a fight against all different things that are against not just her, but sports and athletes right now in general, but now she's fighting for a position in the Olympics, which I couldn't imagine, I could not imagine how she feels right now, trying to focus on herself as an athlete, because on a good, on a good day, it's a lot of work to be an Olympian. It's a lot of work to mentally and emotionally keep up with whatever that represents. Imagine adding this entire fight on top of it. She's fighting two fights at the same time. And like, I have a you know, I'm with her, we said, Caitlin and Mackenzie, you know, we're all there for her supporting her. And I don't think that I've ever seen anybody handle something so serious as well as she's doing. Like, you know, because we're her team and because we see her frequently, of course, she's a little bit more open with us. But the strength that I see her carry when she comes into the gym and just the determination and she, it doesn't phase her focus, you know, like, because we don't know, right? It's so much uncertainty for herself. And this isn't like, this is such a big thing for her. I've never seen somebody so mentally, like she's, she's there, you know, she's just ready That's for- to hear. That's really good to hear. She's, and, yeah. she's our hero. She's my hero personally. And she's our hero. I'm, I'm so happy that she can be the face of everything. And also I can't wait to see her compete in the Tokyo Olympics. Absolutely. Like that's, that's going to be such a beautiful moment, even like just as a team watching her knowing and preparing her for that moment. Like it's so special for us too. And it's so important for us to see her get there so that she can 
show all that hard work in the ring like totally I, and you're you've been a part of that you Mackenzie <laughs> like that's incredible I I'm so envious of that I'm gonna put work back on him to start smart that would be a very bad idea right now <laughs> but, especially after a whole year and like two months of COVID uh I mean I'm working out but it's not uh it's definitely not sparring shape that's for sure oh my god like honestly the first time I went in there sparring I felt like like play-doh like it, I just felt like oh my god this is just terrible and then I, I went in like by the first time sparring with Mandy and I was just like I'm not having this <laughs> that's, that's hilarious well good that's she sounded strong because you're strong so that's good. <laughs> I'm just not having this like I, I, I always finish the rounds with her but after I go home and I just like lie down on the couch and I'm like okay time to recap <laughs> yeah well good good that you guys are doing that I'm so happy that there it makes me so happy to hear that number one, she's getting the training that she needs right now. And I have so much confidence in Sid and the team that you guys have developed. Um, and then it also gives me confidence to hear that we're heading back to something and safe sport in some capacity and that you're a part of that. That's huge. You're one of the only people in our country who are sparring legally. <laughs> I, know, I have a letter and everything. I'm That's gonna, great. Look, I have them saved in my favorites on my phone. I'm just waiting until I have to show it. It's like, I'm allowed. <laughs> I'd be like flaunting that. I know you have to be like understanding of how it makes people feel, but good for you. I'm, I'm inspired. <laughs> We're going to get there because of, because of the safe camps, that, uh, the training camps that Sid, you're, that you're part of that Sid's been conducting because of the safe camps that are happening probably across the country. These are good examples of how things can work. So thank you yeah. for contributing to that as well. No, like, no, thank you for just even highlighting that because honestly, Sid has, kept everything so like he follows everything perfectly when we're there it's just us and the girls and you know we have the gym and it sometimes it's not even like all of us sometimes it's just like the three of us and him but like it's just us and you know Mandy does whatever she does like for her other training sessions but like he's kept everything perfect we're all good. We're all safe. We have such a good dynamic with each other. We all bring something different to the ring. And it's like, we have such a solid team. I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm really, really happy. That's something to bring good attention to as well. Cause there's a culture right now of being silent about what people are doing because you're scared that maybe people either won't understand or that social media might take it out of context. But right. there's a fear of people knowing like or just a culture of people not wanting to talk about all the awesome that is happening, like what you're doing right now, you should be like on display. Boxing Canada should be like, look, here's what's happening. I mean, yeah. I have to be careful saying Boxing Canada should do, but I mean, it would be great to see it out there in the open and, and show that there are things still happening in Canada. So it's, it's inspiring. I'm happy that we got to talk about it because at the end of the day, it shows that sport is still happening. It's a high performance sport and you're part of that. And that's incredible. And it means we're just steps away from being able to get sport back in Ontario and Canada. And I really hope that it's sooner rather than later, because as we talked about earlier, you know, time's ticking for so many wonderful athletes. And we also are examples for the current youth coming into the sport. If like over the past two years, somebody, let's say from 15 to like 17, and then they want to compete, they don't even have like people that they've been watching to take example of or been seeing like action happen it could be also just discouraging in general not seeing anything happening it's true and i actually look at this as a good opportunity to be able to get new athletes in so we'll have to pull back the ones who went pro or the ones who decided that boxing is no longer for them that's a well, probably that's probably where we'll leave today is there there are so many opportunities in boxing ontario now at the very least so boxing ontario as an association has created all of these committees in which we can actually inspire create opportunity and make sure that the sport is rebuilt in a way that is better maybe than it was before COVID. So, you know, where there's athletes, young athletes who have other competition or other, and again, that, that speaks to what I was talking about earlier, the idea of having a league or a category in which people can get into the ring, they can spar, they can actually compete. Those will be competitions that will count towards their, their record, but they can ease their way back in and, you know, potentially have so many women in our sport, so many young athletes in our sport, men and women that the sports basically like, oh my gosh, we don't have enough room in this tournament. Like what Bremden Cup became where it was like 500 participants registering. Yeah. We just getting to the point where things were rising up and then it just stopped, right? So 
we'll, we'll get there. If there's anything that I can do, I would love to just bring more people involved so that we can build the sport back up to what it needs to be. Absolutely. And like, I'm so happy that we're having this conversation and just putting this out there for everybody to listen. And these such, such important points that we talked about. I'm so happy that we've had this opportunity. Is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to like, let anybody know? You know, and I, it's so funny because I'm just, uh, this is great because we're actually just talking and I, I haven't spoken to, I feel, I feel, hopefully everyone's still stuck around at this point because I feel like I've just been catching up with you. I yep. am so, I'm honored to, that you're having me on, but I'm also really happy with what you're doing for the sport of, for boxing and for female in the sport as well. Calling attention, I saw you had the real million dollar baby, baby on. Okay. Um, who's your favorite? So who, what was your best? I'm sorry, me, of course, no, joking. What was your favorite interview you've done so far? I, I know they all have their different things, but the most kind of impactful that like stood out to you. You know what? Like, it's really hard because everybody brings like such unique stories. It's so hard to pick. I think, um, honestly, I really loved having Maureen on. Like, I really loved having her on just talk because she's a veteran, right? And she's done so much in the sport, uh, amateurs and professionals and beyond that. And like just hearing her story and how unique it was and just that she's still in it, that she's still doing her craft and that she's found a way to be successful, still doing her craft like as a woman and just, uh, and that she's still active. I don't know, like there's, everybody brings something different. And obviously like even just this interview, like I love what we just talked about. I love like all this information that we're bringing to people's attention. It's really hard to say like, which, who has- Anyone freak you out? Was anyone like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Like, I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this person's so cool. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. You know who's really cool? Yeah. You know who's really cool actually is uh, Caitlin Clark. Oh, she's cool. She's well-spoken. She also knows how to tell a great story way better than me. I need to take some lessons from her. It took me, what was it, an hour today. It took me an hour to kind of get to like actually being comfortable and she's, but she's great. So have you, if you've had her on, I got to yeah. check her out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's like, she's got this great story and just her attitude and everything, like from what she's gone through and all of her ups and downs as many of us go through, but just the way that she thinks about it and just like what she's been bringing to the sport and some of her like like when I heard her story about like how she became a Canadian champion, I was just like, wow, like that's incredible. That was such a beautiful moment for yourself. And I know that there's so many women that have these incredible moments. That's why I get so excited to bring somebody on. Even like yourself, when we talk about all these things that's going on in the boxing com like community and you're at the head of it, you're overseeing everything. And to hear from your perspective is something even mind blowing for me. Like I said, it's really hard for me to pick like, who <laughs> you rock thank you so much for having me and i hope that people uh, got something out of today because i got a lot out of hanging out with you I, I you know what like trust me i think that there's going to be a lot of good feedback on this video like i'm super excited this launches um like friday at noon so this is like eastern time i say for everybody and this is like going to be I'm, I'm really excited and thank you so much and I hope that you'll come on here soon again in the future for sure for sure awesome thank you so much for having me thank you Jenna thank you everybody for tuning in if you have any questions you know you can personally message me or you can personally message uh Jennifer Huggins or you can leave a comment in the box and both of us will be happy to reply to your questions thank you so much Jen and stay tuned everybody for the next episode next week